Hey everyone, so today I have an interview with Shireen from Smeeny Made Wild. Now she has been running her business for a number of years. She started just before COVID, so back in 2019, and she has done amazingly well. She's been full-time with her business for a couple of years now. She is a knitter and a pattern designer, and she has also expanded her range into other products, and we're going to talk about that in today's episode. Now, she got her start selling online by taking my setup shop course, which is running next week as I record this. It starts February 5th, 2024. It's a 30-day course. It'll take you from having nothing to having a fully set up and ready to go online shop in just 30 days. If you'd like to join us for that, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. We touch on it briefly in the episode, but I just want to let you know that the course is starting really, really soon. And Shireen is one of many people i think about 1500 people have taken this course and used the system to set up their online shops so i would love to have you come and join us for that if that's something you want to do you can also use it to revamp the shop you currently have if it's not doing so well or you're not happy with how it's going setup shop will take you step by step through everything you need to do to get it up to scratch so i really love this interview i've known shireen obviously since she took the course which was like 2018 or 2019 something like that and i've uh, been watching her progress i've actually interviewed her on the podcast before a couple of years ago so i will leave a link to that in the show notes and if you're watching the video in the video description so you can if you're interested and you want to kind of see the evolution of her journey and also I'm really excited to be doing more interviews this year on the podcast and here on YouTube as well because I kind of let it fall by the wayside a bit last year, but it's just, I've got so many wonderful people lined up for you to talk to, seriously, so many talented, successful makers who are going to be on the show this year. So if you're not already subscribed to the podcast or to my YouTube channel, please make sure to hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss these interviews. You really can learn so much from just listening to somebody who has succeeded in building their business. You know, they just, I'm always amazed by the little gems of knowledge and wisdom that come out of these interviews. So that's why I love doing them. I'm, I'm excited to get back to them this year. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Shireen. And remember, if you want to join us for the course, it's starting very soon. Head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop or one word to find out more about how it can help you grow your online business also just a quick apology i ended up accidentally recording the bulk of this interview using my webcam mic so it's fine you can still hear it it's just not quite as lovely radio quality as this microphone that i am currently speaking into so apologies for that but i'm sure you'll still be able to hear me and enjoy the episode do you want to grow a thriving profitable handmade business my name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, Shereen. It's so lovely to see you again. Hi, Jess. It's so great to be here again. <laughs> now, you were on the podcast a number of years. I'm not sure how many years ago it was. It was a few, quite a few years ago now. Um, and I'm excited to talk today about how your business has evolved and changed uh, over the last few years. So before we do that, um, a little bit of background. When, what year did you start your business? Was it 2019? Well, I actually started the business as a side hustle in 2017. Right. And that's when I found Create and Thrive podcast. 
And it kind of got my wheels turning about starting the business. And I ended up going full-time in 2020. Okay, awesome. And what a time to go full-time, eh? <laughs> yes, it was crazy. I didn't even plan it for, well, I had planned to go full-time and quit my job. My last day of my job was actually supposed to be March 18th or something. And everything shut down on the 15th. So it was kind of like, all right. It's time. We're doing it. <laughs> and you just worked from there. Awesome. Now, before you started your business, you were self-employed for a while, right? At least partially? Well, yes. Well, okay. I don't know. This could be a long story, but I was a chef, actually. I worked in restaurants for most of my career, and I started my little side hustle during that time, I was still managing a kitchen and working, you know, 80 plus hours a week while trying to do the side hustle, mm -hmm. found your podcast, ended up quitting my restaurant job to work on a farm where I had a lot more time freedom. Mm -hmm. And I had a second business at that time too, um, my private chef business. Mm -hmm. So it was both Smini and my chef business. And then when 2020 hit, somehow I ended up going full-time with both businesses and Smini became my main income source. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where that was actually my full-time business. And then the chef thing became my side hustle. <laughs> so it's kind of still how it is today. I mean, and it ebbs and flows a little bit, but for now, Smini is my full-time job. All right. So you do still do a bit of chefing then? I do do a bit of chefing. It's very hard to let go of that part of my identity. And yeah. I still love cooking and food and farming and that kind of thing. So I've limited it though. And I have very strong boundaries around it where I only accept chef gigs from June to September and that's it. So it basically coincides with our local farming season. And then I only take, you know, two, maybe three gigs a month during that time period. So very limited, but, you know, it feeds that side of my creativity as well. Now, I think that's really interesting because I'm a big fan of saying to people, like, just because you, like, want to go full-time with your handmade business, that doesn't mean you have to give up other stuff. Like, maybe you have an, another job you actually enjoy and you still want to keep doing that job. It doesn't mean you're, like, a failure or something because you're not only doing the one thing. Like, I have multiple different businesses and streams of income and that works really well for me. And it's also kind of you feel a little bit safer because you've got that sort of multiple income stream thing happening there as well. Totally. I think it actually behooves you to have multiple income streams. And it, I don't know if everyone else is like this, but I think if you're a creative person, you just enjoy a lot of different things. I mean, I'm certainly very multi-passionate and I would never want to give anything up. And when I actually left the restaurant industry, I was very, very burned out. Like it took years to recover from that level of burnout. And so by having multiple outlets for work and income and creativity, it's actually helped a lot in preventing that burnout because I don't feel like any one source of income is it. And so if I'm feeling, you know, more creative towards my food side of things, I might lean into more of that. If I'm feeling particularly creative with, you know, and the beautiful thing about the way Smini has evolved, I guess there's no, I haven't given any background on it, but the way okay. it's evolved, it has multiple income streams within it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I can just lean into the part that is feeding me the most. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it has created stability because of the diversification. 
Yeah, absolutely. I 100% understand that and agree. So speaking of, let's talk a little bit about your journey of Smeeny and what you have done and even you've changed the name of the business. So we're going to address that as well as we go. So let's rewind back to the beginning. You sort of, what was, what was the first thing you started making or doing with that business? So right at the beginning, I think the actual first item that I put into my shop was my Etsy shop mm-hmm. was a knitting pattern. And that was the first thing I sold online was a pattern. And then my physical items, I only sold at a local shop here in town on consignment. Um, and they took on maybe 12 items. And I was like, great, 12 items for the season. We're doing great. And selling to friends, of course. Um, but after that first season in the shop, I mean, I think within a month they had already sold out. So they were like, we need more. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was the very, very beginning. Selling to friends, knitting hats, knitting beanies for the shop. And that one knitting pattern. And it all kind of started snowballing from there. <laughs> well, and your business was originally called Smeeny Beanie Knits. Correct. It was originally Smeeny Beanie Knits. And people always think that the beanie was because I sold beanies. But mm-hmm. in reality, my nickname was Smeeny Beanie. So I was like, oh, Smeeny Beanie Knits. And then it just happened to be beanies, um, how we call them in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then people started referring to the hats as smini beanies. <laughs> so cute. It's yeah, almost so. like it was destined. I guess so. Yeah. So it's like in town, people still call them smini beanies. And the I make some baby hats exclusively uh, exclusively for the local shop. And mm-hmm. people call them teeny smeenies. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so it's had a life of its own. <laughs> so you make you know knitwear obviously and you sell knitting patterns and um we are going to continue that story but just as an aside do you think you had a leg up or a benefit in the fact that you basically live in a ski resort town I attribute so much of the success of my business to my town and the community around it um definitely the ski town aspect because when people are here you know, we actually have a very small year-round local population, but we have a ton of people that come as tourists. And I think when you're traveling and you're a tourist, you are more likely to spend money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my um, sales from our local shop, I mean, that was for a long time, like 50% of my revenue. And so it just, you know, helped me. It, I learned a lot in that process mm. and, you know, it allowed me to make improvements or changes to my business much more quickly because I was learning so quickly from a local brick and mortar level. Mm. Um, and then it helped feed in my, into my online branding too. Mm. And then a lot of that story, I mean, I can go on, but a lot of the storytelling behind my business has to do with my lifestyle living in this town as well. So, um, it's really just all fed into itself, but yes, I definitely attribute a lot of my success to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, um, we're going to come back to your online storytelling, which is fantastic. And I think it's been a real strength to your brand, but let's get back to the, the overarching story. So you, you open your Etsy shop, 
Um, you took my setup shop course and that helped you get that open, which is awesome. I was so excited. I, I still remember when you like emailed me a few months later and you're like, I've made like 60 sales in my shop. And you were so excited. Yes. <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> and um, so you got through that and you, you're selling your, your knitwear. And then things slowly sort of evolved. Tell me, take me on that journey of, of, of that sort of evolution and the name change and what happened with your business over the next few years. Yeah. So over the next few years, I mean, like you said, I started on Etsy and then eventually I did put physical items there as well. And I sold like that for a while while I slowly built my own website. And then for a while, the shop function on my website was to my Etsy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is like years long process. So people always think, oh, you're an overnight success with any online thing, but you're like, this is years in the making. (laughs) Um, Eventually ended up selling only on my website my physical items only on my website. Mm -hmm. Etsy became just knitting patterns. So I didn't have to um, fulfill Mm -hmm. orders from multiple streams. That was just a personal choice. Um, But over time, especially during the pandemic, it was like online and Instagram became very um, social. Or, I mean, it's always meant to be social, but it was very social for businesses, I think. And then as well as your values behind the business, like I think all of the social turmoil that was going on as well during that time, especially here in the US, like all the racial injustice and that kind of thing became very like you had to, well, I don't want to say had to, but it became part of a brand identity, what Mm -hmm. your values were. Mm-hmm. And so I really leaned into that and I have strong beliefs too. And I really started the business um, with a lot of um, basis on fighting for climate justice and environmental justice by donating back to nonprofit organizations. I have since become a 1% for the planet business partner. Um, so I basically donate 1% of all of my revenue, not just profit to vetted environmental nonprofits. And that has become a cornerstone. My lifestyle here in the mountains, like we live in a tiny mountain town and my lifestyle has become very much my brand. So it slowly evolved from just a business selling handmade knitwear to like a lifestyle brand, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, equal parts. I mean, and and un- I don't want to say the word influencer because I just, it feels icky, but I unintentionally became somewhat of a small micro influencer and brands reached out to do affiliate partnerships and things like that. So um, long story short, I ended up changing the brand name because I wanted it to become more of a community. Mm-hmm. And so it is now called Smini Made Wild. I wanted to keep the Smini in there because it is me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I thought Smini Beanie was still something people would want to refer to the beanies mm-hmm. as. Um, but the Made Wild versus the Beanie Knits kind of made it feel more like what my brand had become. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I made a huge change or like totally shifted everything. It was just more of this is who I am now. And so this feels more like it matches it. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense. It was just a sort of natural growth and evolution of the business and your life in general as well, I guess. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Shireen's Instagram, strongly recommend and I'll put it in the show notes, but you do such a wonderful job of like bringing people into your world, basically. You know, you're always showing 
yourself outside, having adventures, your puppy dog, you know, your mm. your um, products in the natural environment. And I think that's a really strong part of your brand and, the, the, you know, the bright colours, no matter what season it is, you know, it's definitely got that sort of bright, happy feeling to it and that that connection with nature. And, I mean, I guess that I'm assuming that's just because you're bringing your own lifestyle into that and weaving everything together naturally. Yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that. Um, but also, yeah, the the brand or, you know, the business kind of grew from just my life. And so my life is somewhat also my brand. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things in our personal lives that we don't share, but at the same time, I do share quite a bit and it really is what I'm doing day to day. So I don't know. I think part of this name change as well is me thinking about the next five or 10, I don't even know how long, but I don't see it ending anytime soon. Yeah. And I want to give it a, a new foundation for what, could be possible in the next several years as well yeah so by ch- I mean I think a lot of people struggle with naming their business and one thing I usually recommend to people is try not to pigeonhole yourself too strongly with your brand name because if you like you know ethereal jewelry for me for example uh, not that I think I'd probably ever do anything else with ethereal but by just using a more generic name you can you do have that freedom to sort of branch out and diversify and do different things and you you won't then necessarily struggle with that sort of, oh, no, I'm, I've got nits in my name. That's all I can do. <laughs> so if anyone's listening and trying to kind of make that decision, then I think erring on the side of a name that is not so pigeonholing is really helpful. Um, and I've seen a lot of businesses like you go through that, you know, development of going, oh, I've got this name, but that doesn't fit me anymore, so I've got to change and then, you have to go through sort of all the rebranding. Although I think for you, not so much. It was more just a natural progression. It's not like you completely revamped your brand. It was more like your brand had arrived and you just gave it a new name. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> well, and I kind of want to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, the the word failure. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think of, you know, if I shut this down or try something new or pivot or whatever that they have failed in some way. But Mm -hmm. I really don't think as an entrepreneur that that's ever what you're actually doing. Like you're never actually failing. You're more driving yourself in the direction or towards a direction that's, you know, feeding you now. And, you know, it's funny as a society, we do um, think of something ending as failure when it's not true. Like, I don't know, I guess, I just feel strongly about it because it makes people think that in order to succeed, quote unquote, they have to just keep going, even if it doesn't fit them anymore, or if it's not something that brings them joy anymore. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you can change it. You can do whatever you want, essentially. Like you have, I mean, and I feel grateful and very privileged that I am able to do that and that we are able to do that. But, and I know not everyone has the resources or the means or whatever, but if you do, you can make the change and you can do something different. And it does not mean you failed. It just means you're doing something different. Yeah. Now. And you learn. <laughs> you learn so much through whatever you do. You know, if you like, I had a magazine for a couple of years and then I was like, that's not what I want to do anymore. And I sold it and moved on. And it's always, it's always a hard decision to let go of something that's been a big part of your journey or a big part of your identity or that you know, makes you money, that's probably the scariest thing. Like I see sometimes people going, 
I'm still doing well financially, but I'm done with this, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they decide to go take a job up again or, or start a new business or do something different um, because, you know, life's short. We need to be doing the things that fulfill us, not something that we just keep doing because we were doing it. <laughs> right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't mean you fail. No. And same with success. It's like, you know, success can mean so many different things. And I think a lot of the business world, it always talks about numbers and milestones and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I think you always talked about this on the podcast and just in your life, like you have purposely, you know, kept your business at whatever size and it's just you and Nick and, you know, and I don't want to even use the word just because it's like, this is what you want to do. And, you know, it's allowed you the time freedom to travel or to explore other hobbies and that kind of thing. And I feel very similarly, like I've purposely kept my business small and manageable just by me. I actually do have someone that helps me now, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to grow beyond the certain level because I want to be able to just take, you know, months off if I want or you know, lean into other aspects of my business without other people depending on me for their income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about this sort of the business world we're in uh, is that that's a lot more acceptable. I mean, it's really funny. Like every time somebody joins my membership, The Thriver Circle, they go through this course, which is called Yogi to Thrive. And the first few questions of the course are all about looking, you know, thinking about your ultimate purpose. Like what is it you want out of this? And almost everybody comes back with very similar answers. And they're always like freedom, time to spend with my family, (laughs) financial security sometimes. Sometimes that's not even a core value for people. They're like, I want to earn enough money to, you know, take us on holiday once a year or something. And it's better. It almost inevitably comes back to how you want to spend your life. Like that is what people are trying to achieve. They're trying to achieve a life and a lifestyle that fulfills them and allows them to do the things they want to do rather than, you know, being a slave to the man or whatever um, (laughs) by having to work Mm -hmm. a traditional job. And um, I think that's really interesting. And I think, you know, I'm like, is that a certain personality type or is it just something that everybody really wants deep down but our upbringing in our society kind of, you know, railroads us into this is the specific way you have to be successful. This is a job is safe. Uh, a business is dangerous, and um, I actually disagree with that. Especially, you know, knowing in the US, you guys have a, a different situation to us here. You know, we we have a very good social safety net in Australia. Um, you know, free healthcare, blah blah blah. And um, I know in the states, like having a job can often mean the difference between having healthcare and not. So it's it's kind of a more challenging environment to like make that leap of giving up that security as well into to having a business. Um, I mean, is that something you struggled with at all? Um, I didn't. I guess I just feel, well, I feel really fortunate because my I do have a like a partner. My husband has a job that does provide benefits. So that's helpful from a joint standpoint. Right. I mean, but I mean, I've been the breadwinner even with his job, you know, from my business or we've actually now I think make pretty equal pay. Um, sometimes I'm more, sometimes he's a little bit more, but it's not like, um, I think a lot of people, you know, that might not have a partner that has benefits, they might be a little worried about that. But at the same time, even if I didn't have him, Mm. I would be able to afford my life 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense as yeah. far as yeah. my income and personal spending and things like that but I think I know a lot of people don't have that luxury or maybe it's a single parent or you know I mean kids in general <laughs> would change a lot of things um but yeah but yes ultimately um that is definitely a big part of that financial um I don't know what do you want to call it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the fabric of my finances yeah. <laughs> a household um yeah. but my business and my income is and would be enough to pay for the insurance mm-hmm. if I didn't have a partner who had benefits yeah. from work, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, that's like the nitty gritty stuff. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I think having that freedom and knowing that regardless of the, this particular circumstance, my mm-hmm. business can do that, you know, that that's kind of what success has meant to me (laughs) that's pretty amazing really like there's something really I don't know really supremely deeply satisfying about knowing that you can take care of yourself you know definitely you've built something up that can support you and it's kind of just something that's come out of your brain and you've created it all and you've made it happen Definitely. And maybe it's a little bit of the ego side of me where it's like, as a female, a lot of people might assume, oh, it's like, what a cute little business. And, you know, you're lucky that your husband has this job. And you're like, well, I mean, let me tell you, I've been the breadwinner with my little business, you know, and it's <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and and if you're not, and if it's, if it's not that way, and that's not the way it is, it's okay, too. I mean, yeah, I guess it's totally. just lifting all the ships and just supporting other women or other people who want to do something creative with their life instead. And I think you hit on something important there. You know, there's that myth of the starving artist or the idea that your little Etsy business or whatever uh, can't be something real, like, you know, real Mm -hmm. in that it's actually a full-time income. You know, Uh, I still remember, I think it was like, a year or two after I went full-time with my business and I was at family Christmas and one of my cousin's spouses was like, oh, how's your, you know, how's your little jewelry business going? And I'm like, oh, well, I made X amount of dollars this year. And like, just his eyes widened. Like he was like, he couldn't, he, he hadn't really comprehended that, you know, oh, you could actually make real amounts of money selling yeah. jewelry on the internet. <laughs> totally. I mean, and I'll tell you like my, not that you make a lot as a chef, mind you, but <laughs> when I, my some of my bigger years in the business, I mean, all revenue streams combined, I have trip over tripled what I was making as a chef on my chef salary. Mm-hmm. So, nice. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've blown my, my last salary, my last job. I've definitely blown past that pretty much. Every, well, every year, pretty much since I went full time, some years, yeah. like quite a lot. So yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. And, you know, we, this, it's funny, you know, <laughs> Nick and I both working in the business, it's funny also how much you like can live on as well. Like when you're not commuting and you're not buying workwear and you're not like, there's all these expenses r- related to having a job as well. And you can cut a lot of that out when you work for yourselves and when you live at home and work at home and it's, it's great. You know, you, for us, you know, we don't need, scrollings of dollars we just we have like a target we have how much we need to pay the bills and put the right savings aside and pay the taxes and pay our retirement into our retirement and all of those different things which is all things you need to think about everybody if you are thinking about going full-time you have to put all those buckets in place so that you are filling them all 
but it can be surprising, you know, how doable that is. Definitely very doable. And I think, I mean, I think I was really fortunate in that I also just happened to enjoy doing the financial side of the business Mm -hmm. um, and being in touch with all the numbers. I know some people are very afraid of that, especially the creative people. It's like so scary and it is, but it's also like, I don't know, it's also oddly satisfying (laughs) to do the numbers. (laughs) Um, And maybe that's been a benefit and has allowed me to, you know, do what I do now. But I think like you're saying too, once you've reached a level of financial stability, then it's like, now you can really just focus on the fulfilling side, like what's fulfilling you and lean into those things. And Mm -hmm. I mean, very grateful that that's the case for (laughs) me and you and, um, but yeah. (laughs) So let's just dive back into your business a little bit, because we didn't actually talk about some of the new products that you kind of decided to make. So you're not just obviously doing the knitwear now, but you you still do sell your knitwear. You still do sell patterns. What are some of the other things that you've brought in? Um, so the other income streams or product types that you've brought into business? Yes. So aside from knits and patterns, I have a little bit of merch now. And then I started making some stickers, which mm-hmm. is fun. I mean, I personally just love stickers. Um, <laughs> but with the stickers, I've been able to create all these like fun designs. And then I've been working with various other artists or like I've been doing my own designs um, as like a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I actually just got an iPad this year. So I'm hoping to learn a little bit more of like the illustration side and do some more, but that has been a really fun, not necessarily like big revenue generation, mm-hmm. but fun creative outlet, something for like a market booth that people mm-hmm. really enjoy or like during the holidays stocking stuffers. Mm-hmm. I've added some other merch, like um, I had some custom designed hats, like a trucker hat, Mm-hmm. for the summer that I used to wear all the time and then was like why don't I work with them to make one that's branded um, <laughs> and like tote bags which I use all the time anyway and now it's a custom one um, I've incorporated a couple of items from like other makers and then um, like these little notebooks that I just used all the time but were very on brand like they're in national parks notebooks and I love those I mean <laughs> it right here if you're watching on youtube but oh, they come in little packs um and you know right. i use them all the time are the covers on those like the old national park um posters yes. oh my god i have this i collected these when i was traveling in the states oh, yeah. i love i love this sort of style the old advertising sort of posters and i have a bunch of these different ones for from the states so totally well that's what these are so they have all oh, of the cool. various national parks they come in packs of three different ones mm-hmm. um and they're small they call them field notes yes. but you know so that just felt fun and i used them so i was like great i'll put them in the shop um so the focus is definitely my main focus and i would say probably you know, 75% of my revenue is still from the knits. Mm-hmm. 20% of my revenue is probably from the patterns mm-hmm. and then a sprinkling for all these other merch items. But even if I'm not making a huge amount of revenue on the other items, it just felt like a cool way to incorporate like a more well-rounded, um, I don't know, menu mm-hmm. <laughs> for the shop. And then just introduce some items that you know, I don't physically have to make, I yeah. can still have. <laughs> yeah. So do you still make all of your knits or does your assistant or your helper sort of make some of those as well now? So I still make every single one of the knits. Mm-hmm. Um, there are 
couple of styles that actually is made on a knitting they call it a knitting machine but really it's like this loom essentially Mm -hmm. so I've been able to train her on that Mm -hmm. um she also will you know help me wind the yarn or like put tags on and things like that so tasks like that um but I am still making all of like the hand knits (laughs) um which is great because I really enjoy it. I'm a process knitter, which means I just really love the act of knitting. I don't necessarily need to like be creating a new pattern or whatever. Sometimes I do. And it's been great because patterns have been a huge revenue stream, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are <laughs> kind of where I'm at now in the shop. And then I actually just started a YouTube channel, um, a studio vlog. So it's very much just a vlog of the behind the scenes of the business. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, I mean, my intention is more just to share the process, but eventually if it becomes a revenue stream, that would be cool too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk a bit about your marketing strategy uh, over the years. So sort of how has that evolved over the last few years? Uh, Where did you start? What did you move into? And like, what do you see going forward is going to be your focus? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, at first it was very much just Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, as everyone knows, Instagram has changed a lot over the last few years and the success of your stuff on Instagram has changed a lot. And I've definitely considered myself in my flop era, quote unquote, (laughs) (laughs) like things on Instagram just are not getting the engagement that they used to. But at the same time, what I've leaned into now with Instagram is more just nurturing my current audience and just building community there. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have an email list. And so I've been trying to be more regular with my email lists before it was just an announcement of a shop update or something like that. But now I've been trying to do something at least twice a month. So kind of not necessarily selling. It might be like, these are some, um, you know, not affirmations, but uh, intentions that I've been setting for this month. Or um, here's the most recent vlog I've posted if you want to see what I've been up to, um, things like that. So just kind of a little bit more storytelling about who I am, what the business represents, what I'm doing outside of the business, um, and then also just using it to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully YouTube has become a little bit more marketing. I've actually had, and I have a very small channel right now, but I've actually had a couple of people separately email me and say, Hey, I found you on YouTube. And then they placed orders. So for having a very small audience on YouTube, it has become started to become, you know, a marketing source. Um, what else? Word of mouth, I think, is always just huge. The local shop that I sell at, like I was saying, I mean, I think a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of like newer makers who are like, I don't know if I want to sell there. It They take such a big percentage of your sales. And I'm like, yeah, but think about it as a marketing cost. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to do you were to make all of those sales yourself, that's a lot of time, too. Yeah. So anyway, I can go on. But right yes. now, those are the ways I have been marketing. I'm hoping to become even more regular with the email and then mm-hmm. YouTube. So, okay. So, have you, uh, are you on like the TikTok train or, yeah, you know? I have not dabbled at all with TikTok. I did open an account at one point and then got overwhelmed and immediately just shut it down. So, it might, you might be able to find me on there. I don't know, but definitely have not touched it. I have not, I don't even use it as a user. Mm-hmm. So, I've just been trying to focus on Instagram and email and YouTube right now. Yeah. 
Pinterest. And Pinterest. Oh, yes. Didn't even remember about that. But I do pin things regularly, um, mostly from the website. I've been working really hard on my SEO this year for my website. And so pinning with SEO in mind has been good, I think. Okay. But yeah. who knows? I'm not very good at the analytics side of that type of thing. So I've just been doing it. <laughs> and we'll see. <laughs> Awesome. So that's, yeah, it's interesting, you know, seeing the different uh, streams that people come up with for that, like, you know, the Instagram email, you know, email is still really powerful. Uh, it is still, you know, the most direct form of communication with potential customers. I'm a big fan of it. I'm actually, I kind of revived my own ethereal email list a bit this year and want to focus more on that, you know, going forward into the next few years. Um, a few strategies around that things, you know, offering some sort of incentive for sign up is always great. Uh, some things, you know, cause I know someone listening to this is like, yes, but what do I send? What do I email about? It's always a question I get, um, you know, sending updates, obviously new product updates, any specials or sales. I found doing a giveaway on a somewhat regular basis is a fun thing to do as well. Um, and how that can work is you, promote the giveaway on social media, but you give away only to your mailing list subscribers. So it's another good way to kind of incentivize people to jump on your mailing list. We're like, hey, I'm, I'm giving away X thing on this date to someone randomly who's on my mailing list. If you want to be in the running, you should join my mailing list, blah, blah, blah. So there's just a few quick tips for people who want to uh, give the mailing list thing a bit of a go, but I do, I do recommend it. Um, so when did you say, did you start the mailing list? I think I actually started it right when I started the business and just had one, but didn't use it much. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the beginning, just announcing shop updates. Um, but in the last year or two years, I've been sending more regular emails, um, you know, and also as far as what you're saying, getting people to join my incentive, I still do kind of a shop update model. Mm -hmm. So in the past, things would sell out very quickly. So my, um, an incentive was if you're on my email list, um, you get one hour early access to the oh, show. Okay. Yeah. Um, things don't quite sell out as much or things don't sell out as quickly anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I do actually now I'm trying to just keep things in stock because I don't know, I'm just playing with various ways to sell. Um, selling has become harder, I think, than it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I think yeah. we've all felt it in mm -hmm. some ways. Um, so anyway, that. I'm just playing it with it, but I think I actually subscribe to several newsletters from um, influencers. So they're not um, selling a product, but they are more of a content creator, mm -hmm. but I've really enjoyed some of these newsletters that mm -hmm. they sent weekly, for example. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to like, I have a special folder in my inbox where I've been saving them because I'm like, man, I'm not. I don't consider myself an influencer, but what if I incorporate some of these email strategies into my business? Um, so it's equal parts, you know, sharing the product, but also sharing in a way that an influencer might. So yeah. that has been helpful actually. And something to say. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I, I do subscribe to a, a number of people uh, like that as well. And it's interesting. Like I always try to ask myself, I'm like, what emails do I actually open? <laughs> like, like, is there any, who do I actually look forward to? And it's actually a very small list of people whose emails I almost always read because I always 
gain something from them. Like I always enjoy them or I learn something. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like, how can I, how can I learn from that? And how can I incorporate some of that into my own emails, into my own storytelling mm-hmm. to try to become that person to other people? So, yeah, I think that's, and it, it's, it, it is, you know, email marketing is a whole world and it's a whole, <laughs> there's, there's so much you can learn and so much you can do when it comes to that. And I think just to also reflect on what you just said about selling becoming harder, um, I just, I wrote a little debrief of 2020 just a couple of days ago as we record this, talking about that this has been a really hard year for a lot of people. Um, I think the pandemic had a really profound impact on online sales. You know, a lot of people started businesses as well. And um, a lot of people who started businesses like in 2020, late 2020 or 2021, where everybody was shopping online, probably have a very skewed view of, you know, what online sales generally are when you kind of get back to normal. And I think a lot of people that sort of hit home with them this year a little bit. Um, But also it's been a a tough year economically for a lot of countries uh, here in Australia, definitely in the UK. I think the US, you might be faring a little bit better, but it's still mm. been a tough year for a lot of people. And so it's, yeah, it's been a hard year and there's a lot more competition. And uh, like Etsy, for example, went from, I think, 2 million sellers in at the beginning of 2020 to something like 9 million sellers by the end of 2021 uh, or 2022. So they had epic amount of growth when it came to, to sellers and, you know, more, more people out there selling means more competition for everybody. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely means there's, you know, it's harder to get found, I think, than it was previously. Um, and also, you know, people who perhaps like yourself and myself who've been in business for a long time, long time being relative, but, you know, a number of years, you kind of have the benefit of building up a, a community, you know, and it takes time to build that sort of community. It's not something that just, you know, mag- magically appears out of nowhere. <laughs> and, totally. um, you know, if you're, if you are just starting out, just be, you have to be patient and, and know that it is, it is tough out there, but it's doable. It, but you just have to invest the time and work out what, you know, what's your best place to sell? What's your best place to market? And just try to, to like lean into that and, um, take the time to develop those those places because it's not something you can just snap your fingers and have done already. Totally. I mean, you just have to start and then you just have to stick with it because mm-hmm. I think, you know, the whole thing of virality these days has really skewed a lot of people's perceptions and numbers from someone's Instagram going viral is not the same as sales. I think a lot of people get that misconstrued. I mean, I personally have never gone viral. So um, <laughs> um, that would be cool as a vanity thing, but it has definitely not been something um, that has happened for my business. Um, and I've still made you know good sales over the last few years. Um, and then I was gonna say too, with the email thing, as far as sharing your story, mm-hmm. um, we are not, a corporation or a business that has like thousands of dollars or a whole marketing email marketing department, but by sharing yourself, like we're makers, you know? And so I think that is also a very different way to, um, well, it's also a very different type of business. Like 
it's funny, like even at this recent market that I was at, mm. I would say, yes, I made these hats. And people are like, really? Like you made all of these hats? And you're like, yes, I did. And so I think we kind of in our maker world, forget that people might not really know that we are the maker and that we literally are this business. And so you have to keep reminding them, you have to mm-hmm. remind them that you're a human being, and that you are are more than just this product um, with a, you know, discount on it, like other businesses, like corporations. And granted, there are a lot of amazing businesses, big businesses that are doing great things and are purpose-driven and have a mission behind it. But at the same time, it's still very different than being a maker and sharing your story as part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the big powers and the big benefits I think we have as makers is that ability to connect with people one-on-one like the number of reviews I get in my shop where people are like oh it's so nice to connect with a real person you know the maker of my my goods rather than just some faceless email (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. yeah I always try to remind handmade business owners to lean into that and you know take advantage of that connection and make that connection with your customers because every customer is important and every customer not only is it your customer but could potentially tell other people about you and you know word of mouth is still one of the most powerful marketing tools that exists um you know because people trust the people close to them to tell them the truth about things and so if you are getting you know talked up to people and you know this in this day and age of social media we see it all the time I mean there's you know influencer marketing and affiliate marketing and all of those sorts of types of marketing are banking on this social word of mouth sort of proof of the pudding Um, in the old days it was infomercials you know most infomercials are like 95 percent a person sitting there going how what talking about how wonderful the product is you know, it, it's called social proof and it's still incredibly powerful. So however you can take advantage of that in your marketing, not in a bad sleazy way, but, you know, use that uh, in a positive mm-hmm. honesty in your marketing, I think is really powerful. And people want to know, I think, like mm-hmm. they really do want to know because if someone is seeking out a handmade product, I think they want to know what went into it. You know, they already care about this. So actually, from your setup shop course, I still send out that personal email after every new order. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many people respond to it and are like, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, you know, I also did it or, you know, like some, yeah. some point of connection and I still send it to this day to every single new customer. That's so awesome. I, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that thank you email. Like it's one of the best things I ever did for my business and it it definitely pays dividends. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, I will leave a link in the show notes where I talk a little bit more about that. But long story short, you know, when somebody buys from your website or from Etsy or whatever, you send them a manual extra email with a very well-crafted thank you message. Um, Mine is like five paragraphs long. It doesn't have to be short. Um, And it's very deliberately crafted to connect emotionally with the person while also telling them everything they need to know about their order um and it's it's really really powerful and like shireen said like so i would say 80 percent of people actually reply to that email or that message and and talk to me and i think starting that relationship with people is really really powerful um and it, it also 
is really a really smart business move because if something ever goes wrong with their order, they're way more likely to just like message you and go, hey, Jess, something, this is weird, this happened. And, you know, rather than just opening a case with Etsy or putting a paper claim in or whatever, you know, they already feel like they know you and you're receptive to them connecting with you and asking you to fix a problem. So it's a smart business move as well. Um, and I strongly recommend everybody do that, definitely. Um, wow, we've almost been talking for an hour. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we could go for many more. But before we wrap up, do you have, like, some words of wisdom from your position of years of experience now that you would like to impart on those listening and perhaps help them on their journey? Yes, I think if you just follow your creative passions and lean into what fulfills you, you will succeed and just stick with it. Remain consistent and just really listen to yourself and your heart um, because that shows through whether it's, you know, through a marketing channel or just sharing your work. People mm -hmm. know when you really care about what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think. You definitely care about what you're doing and that definitely comes across uh, in your Instagram and everything like that. Like you always seem so joyful about your life and about your craft. And I think that's a really lovely thing, a lovely thing to be part of and to see uh, as an observer as well. So thank you for, for all the hard work you put into that because it must be a lot of work, your Instagram, like that you put into that. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm glad. Thank you for noticing. No, I mean, I, and I've actually pulled back a lot on my Instagram marketing or Instagram posting in the last year, probably a couple years. Um, I went through some really hard personal stuff in 2021 and 22. Um, I have a YouTube video about it if you're interested, but, um, <laughs> but I've really realized now that it's like, when I'm feeling burned out by Instagram, I'm not sharing things that are meaningful and then they're less engaged with. So by pulling back, I can actually just make posts or real whatever that mean a little bit more. Mm. And usually there's a little bit more engagement. And if there's not, whatever, who cares? <laughs> just share what you want to share. <laughs> That's it. Get it out there and be be real, I guess, with people as well as is helpful. Yeah. You know, you have, excuse me, over the years shared a little bit about those struggles and things uh, that have happened in your life. And I think, I think you know, we all have, as we were talking about earlier, you mentioned boundaries and things we don't talk about. Um, and I think that's healthy. I think we, especially young people coming up today, probably have this idea that they need to share like every single thought in their brains and everything with people and that they they shouldn't have a filter or, or like somehow it's dishonest to not blurt everything out. And I think that's not actually the case. Like it's okay to have privacy. It's okay to have an internal world. It's okay to have stuff you keep to yourself that you, um, that you value and cherish. And at the same time, um, it's okay to share certain things with, with the world and with your audience that you think that you're comfortable sharing and that you think will resonate with people. Um, and, you know, I, I always say to people, just just think through that and maybe have, you know, certain aspects of your life that you're happy to talk about and happy to share and then other aspects that you can keep private. And I think it will also come down to your personality type. You know, are you more of a 
a, sh a sharer, an extrovert? Are you more of an introvert? Are you, you know, do you get energy from having that time to yourself? And I think a lot of creatives do, you know, we need that time alone, that time with our own, just in our own heads. And I think that's becoming more and more uh, rare because we are so often just distracted and <laughs> it's so easy mm -hmm. to reach for some sort of, you know, uh, content to to absorb from other people. Um, so just finding that balance, I think, can be quite challenging uh, for people and creators and especially when you are, and I talk about this sometimes uh, with Nick, like when your job is being creative and making things all day, sometimes at the end of the day, you don't you don't want to create something else. <laughs> you just, I just want mm -hmm. to sit on the couch and read a book and just switch off from, from producing all of the time. And so you need to sort of manage that as well to make sure that you don't burn out because I mean I've burnt out I think most creatives mm -hmm. reach that point at some point where they're just producing and giving and giving and making and putting things out there in the world and that's that's a whole you know putting things out there in the world is scary as well yes. you know? <laughs> you're putting you know a bit of yourself out there open to rejection or whatever else so I think just being aware of that and knowing that it's okay to have boundaries and it's okay to take a step back occasionally is really important. Totally. It's like the blessing and curse of being self-employed and having your own creative freedom because you're in control of every aspect of that. <laughs> so <laughs> for better or for worse. Yes. And yeah, the boundaries. It, well, yeah, boundaries and balance of being authentic. Mm -hmm. And like, we, we all know that Instagram is curated and mm -hmm. it is. And I've found that now there's like, when things are too curated, mm -hmm. I almost am just like glazed over from them a little bit myself as a user. Mm -hmm. But then equally, yes, protecting your own piece if there's something you don't want to share or even if it's just, you know, it doesn't fit with what you've been sharing. I don't know. Yeah. It, there's so many things. But yeah, I mean, we could go on, obviously, yeah. but we can end it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think just um just be aware of it just just know that it's okay to kind of make those decisions and also another thing I, I just want to end on that always kind of seems to pop up is this idea of and I think this kind of takes us full circle back to your story this idea of evolution and growth and development like just because you make a decision today um it's not in set in stone forever uh, you mm -hmm. can change your mind. It's okay. Yeah, change your mind. You can stop doing it. You yeah. can get a job. You can get a part time. I mean, so much. Start another business. There's so many things. You're you can you're in control. Remember, you're the boss. You're the boss. <laughs> and that's exciting and terrifying at the same time. But, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Totally agreed. Agreed. I don't think I could work for anyone ever again. No, let's hope we don't have to. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Now, tell me about this YouTube channel. What is it called? Where can we find it? It is called Smeeny in the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a mostly studio vlog, so just me going about my business and doing things. And I try to talk about what I'm doing, what I'm going through as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And then when I do go on adventures, I've been trying to bring you along for that. Um, so and how I kind of enmesh the business into my life and my life into the business, et cetera. So I don't know. 
it's very new. I'm still learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about video <laughs> and how to share in that way, in mm -hmm. a long form way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been really fun. <laughs> I look forward to, to seeing how it evolves over the over the years to come. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and um, your website is? My website is sneenymadewild.com. And you can find all kinds of info there and the shop itself. But hopefully I can start doing more blogs and stuff too. Like that's part of this, you know, future growth that I'm hoping for mm -hmm. is more resources for makers and blogs about, I don't know, various things like outdoorsy and maker related. So mm -hmm. stay tuned. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I'll, put all, I'll put all the links in the show notes uh, under the video and uh, the podcast as well. So, Shireen, it's been an absolute joy to chat with you again. And I look forward Likewise, to Likewise, it's so good to see you. Future. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, you have really been instrumental in kickstarting my business. So, it's so fun coming back and chatting with you about how it's progressed. Awesome. Thank you. And, you know, as a, t as a teacher, a mentor, whatever you want to call me, people call me an influencer as well, and I hate it. I'm not. <laughs> yes, it's like, such a weird thing. <laughs> like, I just want to help people. That's that's all. <laughs> whatever you want to call me, I don't care. But anyway, um, it's really rewarding and lovely to see uh, how far you've come. So congrats on all your hard work, and uh, I'll keep, keep an eye on how you're going into the future, of course, and we'll keep chatting. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, let me know below. If you're listening to the podcast, you can hit me up on Instagram at create and thrive. I'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from this interview today. What did you learn from Shireen that will help you to grow your own handmade business? And again, if you want to join us for setup shop, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. 30 days to get that stellar online shop up and running and get you selling online probably in 2024 so i would love to see you there thank you so much for watching remember to subscribe if, of course if you haven't already and if you're watching on youtube give me a thumbs up and if you're listening on whatever podcast service you're listening on maybe give me a rating and a review that would be really nice thanks so much <laughs> all right i'll see you soon bye for now